0: I'm Greg Bresnitz And I'm Darren Bresnitz We're the hosts of Snacky Tunes You're listening to Heritage Radio Network Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn If you like this program Visit heritageradionetwork.org For thousands more
2: Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Farm Report, and I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks. And coming to you not today from beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn, but a a hallway in midtown Manhattan, I am attending today the Upstate Downstate Farm to Table Agriculture Summit. Um, it's a great day Um, hear lots of leaders from the food system um, talking about all different kinds of issues, from equity and policy to uh, upstate-downstate connections, farmers, distribution. I definitely recommend for those who aren't able to attend, check out our Twitter feed and follow the hashtag, TasteNY, to hear a little bit more about what's happening today. One of the topics, um, very apropos of my guest today, um, has been, you know, coming up on Christmas time here in the city and across the world and of course <laughs> your new these are your streetscapes are being dotted with pop up Christmas tree and Christmas reach stands and kind of got us thinking, you know, where is it that these trees are coming from? I know when I was a girl growing up in northern Michigan we'd jump out into the woods and go on a family hunt for the elusive blue spruce. But when you live in the city it's a little bit of a different situation. So we connected with NYC Trees, and we're joined today by one of their founders, Louis Delucia. Welcome to the show.
3: Oh, thank you very much.
2: It's great to How have you. How you doing here? So, yeah, it's pretty
3: hard hearing the, the introduction. You know, so uh, I got I got a little bit at the end. I'm glad the sound came back right before we started.
2: <laughs> well, we are we are going now. We are live. So um, I wanted to kind of kick off, getting uh, a little bit of a sense of your background because I know before. You and your brother, Harold, started the NYC Trees Program. Um, you know, you have much longer history in agriculture, so maybe you can give us a little bit of a lowdown on how you got into the fruit and vegetable world.
3: Yeah, sure. That's where it all began, working with our uncle over in Monroe Township in New Jersey. And when you're younger, you're getting farm licenses. At 16 years old, we could drive the trucks or okay. cut and drive the trucks, going into inner cities, and setting up our own farmer's markets, and doing that year in, year out every summer. You pick up a lot of skills, you know, on the street and uh, see other opportunities. And so from there, I went to New York City into a story, and brought it back to where I was born, over on 21st Street uh, by 30th Avenue. We set up a little farmer's market in the city there. And uh, one thing led to another. We met some people in the Upper East Side who had restaurants that allowed us to do farmer's markets in the Upper East Side. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And for the last five years, we've been coming to the city religiously every June through October, and two years ago, me and my brother had the idea to uh, to get some Christmas trees you know, from neighboring farmers in New Jersey, bring trees, they grow trees, they sell trees on their farm, and they don't really sell too many trees, so we figured we'd help them out and, and buy as many trees as we could sell, and that's what we've been doing for the last two years.
2: That's awesome. So, definitely Christmas trees are one of the funny, funny things in that they obviously an agriculture product, but I think when, when people think about farms, they don't often think about Christmas tree farms. So I'm wondering, can you talk a little bit about um, what a what Christmas tree farm looks like and, um, and and kind of how you got connected with the neighboring farms?
3: Yeah, well, Christmas tree farms have all different heights, you know, growing in different parts of the farm. There's uh, guys in our area in Central Jersey, right outside of Princeton, Monroe Township, and Hightstown, that have farms where so they farm about like three to five hundred different different Christmas trees uh, season. They're cutting down and selling on their farm and selling to other you know other guys who are um, setting up Christmas tree stands in the in the Central Jersey region. One, so
2: one the things you guys know on your website is that the bulk of trees that you know New Yorkers would find here in the city are coming from. Canada or the Carolinas. I'm wondering if you have any sense of, you know, why that is, why um, there hasn't been kind of a history of for Christmas trees.
3: I think it's a price point, you know. It's just a large-scale operations, very commercial, very commercial farming of trees and coming down you know, with contracted tractor trailers at great rates for the, for the trucking and to get the tree landed in New York City at a very competitive price. Which pushes the local farmer out of the market, and they're stuck selling at their roadside stand and uh, cut your own. So this gives an opportunity to them to, you know, an outlet into the city, and hopefully other tree vendors will be encouraged to buy from local farms and help them out.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things about your business is, you know, you guys aren't just setting up a shop that people can come and pick up, but you're actually. Taking it essentially, kind of door to door, and and was that something that was obvious that needed to be kind of the service provision from the beginning, or did you kind of stumble into that?
3: Oh, that was my brother's vision, and I was I was against it. I didn't really see it going anywhere, to be honest. And it has uh, really mushroomed at this point, and it's, it's moving in the right direction, and people. Appreciate the convenience and, and the service to get the Christmas tree up three flights of stairs, four flights of stairs, and the service elevator on time or very close to within that one hour time frame and constant communication with the customer. So I think that it's something that's one um, less thing they have so to worry about. So, you are working with the
2: Fraser furs. Is there like a particular reason of that that? Um, type of tree was the right fit? Is it, is it kind of more conducive to the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's known for is its
3: fragrance. a feel that, has that it really like
2: gives people that there was a demand for that, or, or what did it phrase your fur?
3: For a few reasons. The needle retention, it's big for customers. And you know, once they start seeing their needles drop, you, know, you don't want to start getting phone calls when you're busy running around the city with your stands and making deliveries. So we want a tree that, that smells good, that looks full and has a great needle retention. And just by coincidence, most of the the local farms raise Fraser Furs in New Jersey.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm wondering, can you give us a little bit of sense of the, um, like, life cycle of the tree? I mean, are folks planting trees from seed, or or how does it work? Did it come out of a nursery and then the farmers are taking it the last couple of years? Like, um, the Christmas tree that, you know, we would be ordering from you guys, how long of a process is that,
3: and, and kind of what are the steps along that chain? Uh, well, transplanting, well, this started as, like, little little plants in the greenhouses, and they're raised up until they're, they're strong enough and hardy enough to be planted out in fields. And that whole process, so we get the most common Fraser fir that we sell is a six- to seven-foot, and that's about, you know, approximately five to, to seven, five to six years of growing, of growth, so... A process of starting in the greenhouse, raising it up is sapling, and then transplanting into large pots, which are outdoor covered to protect it, and then finally out into the into the fields. About seven years for our most popular tree.
2: And is there like a reason that like the, the tree farm like the, that the, those farmers that are like located in your area chose to raise trees as opposed to kind of like other fruits and vegetables or, or something that had a more uh, I think of like soil I,
3: soil content, you know. Yeah. Uh, that so it wasn't conducive for vegetables. I I strong, I believe that vegetables are much more lucrative for a farmer, and it's it's quicker too. It's one season, and it's a seven year process. It's a lot for a farmer to raise something, take care of it, and maintain it for seven years before they they can sell it. I just think that uh, the location isn't ideal for for vegetable. I tried it a few times. It's not working out, but let's go with uh, some Christmas trees.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess I would imagine, you know, New, New Jersey is such a small state. I would imagine that, like, Christmas tree production often happens in places where access to, like, large swaths of farmland is, is more the norm. Um, is, I mean, is there a number of you know? Are you guys working with kind of like a niche, niche group of farmers there, or is like the Christmas tree industry kind of any type of significant player in the in the New Jersey agriculture scene?
3: Oh, they're all they're all pretty much on the same size farms. It's interesting that you bring that point up because the people who are, who are farming the Christmas trees who are who are in a financial position to sit on the their crop for seven to ten years often have this farms passed down generation after generation. They're big, big names have been around for a long time. In the Somerset, Middlesex County, and uh, Monmouth County area. And uh, <clears throat> we, we, they only grow so many trees. Like I said, three to 500 trees is about the average size. They're cutting at one given farm. So kind of just share the love. And yeah, of, no,
2: sure. And also just like, one area. of those kind of interesting ways that having kind of like a diversified kind of regional ag infrastructure, it's like that that kind of flow of product is really also keeping all that land in farmland in a way that like otherwise can, you know, make it developed for some other use.
3: Right, yeah. Bringing the money back to, the, to those towns and, and those farmers prevents the, the spread of the McMansions. <laughs> That's what he's telling for right sure. now.
2: For sure. For um, sure. What about on the back end, um, with regards to, like, one of the other kind of issues for kind of more city dwelling is like, you know, tree removal and disposal, is that kind of part of the equation for you guys at all, or do you leave that to the New York City, uh, you know, sanitation department? I,
3: I've, heard, I've come over here and, like, every other word at the moment. Can you repeat those?
2: Oh, sure. I guess, like One of the other challenges, I think, for city residents, you know, is, like after the holiday season is what do you do with your tree? And I was just wondering if, if you guys had any work on that kind of back end of the system or if you, if you leave that to the New York City. You
3: know, no, we, could, uh, we provide that service. People could log on to our website at nyctrees.com, and they could order a tree. They could also have it uh, removed. But in nice. addition to that, what, just so to what let do everybody you, know, yeah, that the sanitation department collects trees and, and turns them into mulch for the city parks. So it's as simple as just taking your tree out. You know, if it's a big tree and it's hard, it's hard to get out, you're not going to be around. That service may be for you. Otherwise, if you could get it downstairs to the curb during that uh, post-holiday season week, the sanitation department will come around and, and pick the trees up. And they store them under the Queens Bridge, and there's a few other locations they store them throughout the city. And then they turn them into mulch. Huh. I would kind of imagine that kind of school to go through like a graveyard and Christmas tree. Yeah, it's a Recycle a Tree Campaign, I think it's I believe they referred to it as Recycle the Tree. Yes, it's Recycle. pretty simple. Just leave it right there, right where you put your garbage out on the curb, and then come and scoop it up. Just hold on to those stands because they're valuable.
2: <laughs> that's I love that's what amazing, walking around
3: that. the city, you know. Gardening trees
2: in the garden well, um, on the curb. The it was a, you know, obviously, when you're dealing with something like a Christmas tree, it's not something that poses um, any kind of safety concerns that I can think of. Is there any type of kind of uh, regulatory infrastructure that you had to um, go through to become a, a salesperson for the Christmas trees, or were there any other issues around kind of adding those as a component to your business from, I don't know, a, a uh, insurance standpoint or anything like
3: that. Well, for the first part of the question, um, Christmas tree, vending Christmas trees on the streets of New York during the holiday season is a grandfathered in, and as long as you have permission from the, the owners of the building, you're allowed to sell Christmas trees there. Then there's the other level to that, where you'll see larger stands in in public spaces in the parks, and those spots are auctioned off at Parks Department. And come at a very high price to uh, Christmas tree vendors. And the last part about the insurance, and we all know how, how expensive insurance is. For one month, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous how much we spent insurance to, uh, to provide protection to ourselves and our assistants.
2: Yeah, suddenly I feel like I'm getting a real deal. When I think of a product that somebody had to kind of take care of for six, seven years, and then all the facets of getting it you know, into my apartment, um, kind of feeling like the Christmas tree suddenly seems like quite a steal.
3: Yeah. it's a lot. A lot.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Louie, I'm going to ask you to hang tight for a second. We're going to take a quick station break, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your other program with the trees, the NYC Care. So hang tight for a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: You are listening to Spicy Peanuts by Evan Hashi.
1: Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, and, of course, Heritage Turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. It is so exciting to have this new medium. Hosting after the jump has been a huge part of me transitioning from being a blogger to somebody who has sort of real important conversations with people in real life. My show, I I kind of describe it as an audio trade magazine.
0: I learn a ton from the guests every week, whether it's it's restaurants, bars. All the hosts at Heritage all
1: come from different perspectives.
3: Everyone should be listening to this. If you're interested in conservation
1: and And practical approach to renewable food sources, you know, not this
0: big industry. Whether it's history, uh, laws, social policies of food, I think people now take food seriously and hopefully what's on their plate will become something very special.
1: And I feel that podcasting has a future, giving people information in a format they can really use on the go. We need your support to keep these conversations going. To donate, visit org backslash donate. Hey,
2: my name is Betsy Andrews, executive editor of Severa Magazine, and I am hanging out at the coolest, most delicious place in the world, heritageradionetwork.org. All right. We are back. You, much, you, you have been to into to the farm down, report. One little map. And a farm report kind of ad, ad hoc. Uh, I am calling in from... The middle of Manhattan, and I'm on the line with Louis Bellucci, who is the founder and owner of NYC Trees. We've been talking Christmas trees. So, Louis, you guys also formed a kind of interesting way to give back this holiday season. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about uh, what prompted that and and kind of how that uh, tree system works?
3: Yeah, we uh, came up with a campaign for. Giving away 25 Christmas trees this holiday season. To our nominations, people just write into our info at NYC Trees and and nominate someone to receive a, a free tree stand and delivery. Our what we do, our service delivered to anywhere you want in the city, and we just delivered two. And the first one was just heart wrenching. You know, you're driving around the city, making these deliveries, trying to get, complete these one-hour windows to keep everybody happy and spread the holiday joy and you know, it wears on you, and then you, you see an email thinking be you know, another uh, instruction on where to go next, and it's a nomination, and it comes in, and you get to, you know, stop what you're doing, and the stress just is relieved, and you read through someone's nomination, and it's, it was just an amazing feeling. It started last year, we, we have giving trees to residents and buildings and, and neighborhood people, and just helping them out. You can tell when someone in you know, is struggling. And those are the ones that we'd like to help out. Anybody who's struggling this holiday season, or not necessarily financially, just having a hard time, we'd love to you know, come over and surprise them with a tree.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a really like fun moment, and also kind of again one of those belated glimpses of the obvious, especially for folks who are living on a, a fixed income, and you know, addition in addition to kind of trying to put together funds for kind of holiday gifts and holiday dinners, a tree is a whole other kind of facet to that. So, I mean, super exciting that you guys are are getting to, I don't know, be part of so many great holiday celebrations, so hats off to you. Um, but that, you know, the, the kind of getting that component is not new to you or your work. I mean, I think one of the other things that I was... Uh, taking a peek at it as I was looking through your bio, is the, the Garden State Home Project that you head up, and I would love to share with our listeners a little bit about that aspect of your work while we have some time left.
3: Erin, could you re- repeat that last part? Yeah, uh,
2: I just yes, I couldn't hear sure. too much, so I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just I wanted to kind of follow up with, um, with the time that we have left to hear a little bit more about one of your other kind of projects as it relates to giving
3: back the garden State homework that you do yeah we uh, a close team of mine founded the Garden State home 2007 and uh, we came from various residential backgrounds working with homeless youth and shelters and you know, independent living programs and treatment homes and we thought that we could do a better job than the agencies that we were working for so we we got together and found a a couple of locations that we could potentially use to to create a home for for five young men. And we were awarded a grant in 2007, and we've been running that location ever since. And uh, two years ago, we were awarded another grant to open up a location in uh, South Jersey. And both of our our homes are closely related with the local agricultural scene. And uh, the farmers, who I have a good relationship with, my uncle as well, assisted us in uh, acquiring the site which is a, a crucial element of your uh, proposal to the state. Now, you have site control, you know, and these landowners, these big, successful farmers, you know, family, family farmers that, they have they have resources. They own properties, They have an old farmhouse here, and we restored a farmhouse down in South Jersey for five young men who are currently living there now, this beautiful house that was built in the late 1700s. It was pretty neat, yeah. Wow. That was awesome, I mean, it sounds
2: like, you are a very busy guy. Um, you know, what, what's on the agenda after the end of the Christmas and the tree
3: season for you? After the tree season, yeah, it's, it's back to our garden stay home 100%. And uh, hanging out with my, my family as much as I can. You know?
2: Awesome. I know oftentimes I'm um a I mean, over the winter planting their kind of, you know, dream, their dream farm or their dream garden or kind of imagining, uh, you know, looking through seed stock and that kind of thing. I mean, any big projects on the horizon for the, the next growing season?
3: Yeah, we're looking forward uh, to, uh, to partner with, with some friends in the Upper East Side. we we'll get a permanent location and a uh, hybrid on the street, off the street, restaurant, uh, farmer's market location that uh, we're working out. It's looking pretty good i'm a, I'm very excited about that, especially the opportunity to prepare food and we grow some pretty interesting peppers a Macedonian sweet pepper that you roast it peel the skin off it and I just want to saute that and put it in a little quarts for people with garlic and olive oil and that's my that's the next the next plan the I
2: definitely would it too keeping in touch and following your work in the in the weeks and months to come what's the deadline on christmas tree purchases if people want to get a tree this year uh is there still time
3: oh the 23rd is the last day this year (laughs) oh really yeah 23rd we're going i think we're taking christmas eve off
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) hey i have another question actually just thinking about you know here in the city um, you know, we had the lighting of the tree at Rockefeller Center last night. Obviously, that's a tree from like a, a kind of a different type of situation. But do you have any sense like when folks are really looking to get those giant statement pieces, you know, where do those come from?
3: Um, I'm glad you brought that up. We could talk about that because we just had an interesting encounter with a big giant tree. And we said, we saw Rockaway Partnership, 116 Rockaway Beach Partnership, uh, we're looking for a a tree for their annual event uh, for the victims of Sandy, who lost their homes out in Rockaway and their businesses, and they they got a tree out there supposed to get a 30 foot tree, and it turned out to be like a 15 foot tree, and and it was had a bunch of holes in it. And they, someone pulled a switch on them, and it was terrible. And they had all the press there, and the guy he, we got in touch with me and was able to find a tree in Monroe Township. My buddy has a nursery there. There was a, a Fraser fir, five of them growing, the tallest one about 23 feet tall, and Full foliage, beautiful tree. It got cut down that morning, put on a truck, and taken to Rockaway Beach, where they stood it up, and it was standing in the book in its stand in the street uh, by four o'clock in the afternoon. And then they had their tree lighting ceremony for uh, for the community the next day. So it's not easy getting a big tree into the city, especially this late in the game. We have to schedule that out in October, and we were able to do it in one day. So I was I was proud of all my my friends and my brother who came together and organized that.
2: Yeah. How do you move a tree that big?
3: Uh, with the equipment. Yeah, you cut it down yeah. and then with the equipment. They use a bobcat or backhoe, just picking it up and with ropes and carrying it up into, um, put into a 26-foot box truck. It's so like a 25-foot tree. Just kind of pushed it in there with the equipment on both sides using ropes. To, wow. You
2: know. Wow. Well, I think that is a good place for us to leave off, um, well, it's been really great getting a chance to hear a little bit more about your story, and you've definitely given me plenty of food for thought as it relates to um, my next Christmas tree purchase. Um, thanks so much for being a guest today.
3: Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate
2: it. If folks want to find out more or if you live in the New York City area and want to purchase a tree, check them out at www.nyctrees.com. You can also find them on Twitter at nyctrees. Is thanks so much fish? for bearing with me on my my first attempt at a two-way call call-in farm report show, not something I'll probably revisit in the future, exploring the limits of our technology here. Uh, thanks again for, for tuning in. We are in the midst of kicking off our end-of-year fund drive, so if you believe in our work and want to support what we do, the best way is to become a member by visiting our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.